Alright guys, we're going to drink from the fire hose once again um, with the amount of material we have to cover and just a little bit of time to, uh, to cover it. Um, but this is unique because it's our church covenant. This is, you know, our promise to one another um, as members of this church, the elders, our commitments um, to the church, to the church body, um, and the obligation of all of us to one another. Um, and at the back of this, I want to go ahead and, and talk about it. There's a signature um, and a date. This is not something we want you to feel any pressure to sign today. But in becoming a member, um, we do have the, the requirement that you sign your name agreeing to abide by this covenant as a member at North Avenue. Um, when we got this covenant uh, put together, was it a year, year and a half ago, two years ago? Um, all the current members read through it, signed it. Um, so this is a pledge that we all make to one another. Um, and so I hope you will, uh, you know, after today, pray through this. Um, I trust, you know, for, the, for, y'all, for you guys, it's, you know, this is something you will want to do because you're here. But, you know, pray through it. And, um, you know, before you sign, if you have questions about anything on here, responsibilities, obligations on our part as elders, on your part as potential members, um, and in light of, you know, if after today, after the service, you don't, you still have more questions, you don't have everything quite answered, don't sign this until, you know, your conscience is, is clear and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Okay, so don't feel pressure to do that. You know, and, and, and once you do sign it, um, you know, feel free to bring it back the next Sunday um, and, and give that to us. Um, and, you know, so yeah, that, that's what we're doing with this. So as we think through this and we talk through it, just keep that in mind. Um, you know, th- this is the responsibilities. We, we do our best to take this seriously um, as members at North Avenue. So, okay, biblical obligations of elders and members at North Avenue Church. What I want to do uh, before, before we get into this, I just want to read a short passage of Scripture uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. I think it kind of sets the stage for the, the ministry of elders and the ministry of the church to one another. Uh, it's beginning in chapter, chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I mean, that is our goal in this, is that we would be enabled by God's grace to build one another up in love. Um, And that's something we seek to do every time we're together. Um, So let's start out looking at the biblical obligations of the elders to the North Avenue church body. As it says, as shepherds and overseers of a local church, elders are entrusted with teaching protecting, leading, equipping, and caring for the corporate church body and her individual members. The following is an overview of the requirements for elders as spelled out within Scripture. Um, Now, 
there's probably more we could say about this, but this is the best attempt at a summary for this. So the elders in this covenant, we covenant first to help train up future elders and deacons according to the criteria assigned to them in the scriptures. First uh, Timothy chapter one, uh, verse thirteen, if or ver- chapter three, sorry, verses one through thirteen. If you'll all turn there, First Timothy one, chapter three, sorry, one through thirteen. I cannot get that right. It's it's really fun to know that that um, you know some of you got your phones and all of that. Um, but it is, it's fun to actually hear Bibles turning because in class we really haven't been using like our paper Bibles this year because of all the COVID restrictions and everything. Um, and so everybody's got, you know, look up Bible Gateway on their computer and it's like, I can't say turn to this anymore. Um, and I, I told them last week, I was like, next year, guys, you're not using your computer to look anything up. You're getting the Bibles. You're going to be learning how to flip through your Bibles um, to actually find stuff. Um, so, not if you have a phone, it's totally okay. It's just it's fun. It's fun to actually say, "Hey, let's look this up and hear pages turning." First um, Timothy chapter three, verses one through thirteen. Um, will somebody like to read that for us? Get a volunteer. Go for it. This saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. The overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able teacher. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must manage his own household well and keep his children in control without losing his dignity. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become arrogant following the punishment that the devil will exact. And he must be well thought of by those outside the faith, so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught by the devil's trap. Alright, thank you. Actually, we'll just stop with verse um, verse 7 there, not through verse 13, because that's dealing with deacons. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, and so, yeah, these are qualities that we, by God's grace, imperfectly but at least realistically actually show in our lives, um, always striving to do better in all of this as elders. But this is what we look for um, in future elders. Um, you know, I, I will say... You know, Mark and and Jerry and Scott obviously were were on board with this long before I was, and um, I appreciate the fact that they took a long time to get to know me before pursuing the process of of me becoming an elder, uh, just because we want to know who is going to be leading the church. We want to to see consistency. We want to see... um, a pattern of faithfulness to Scripture, to their family, to the church, to sound doctrine and all of that. And it's, it's a humbling thing like for me to, to realize that by God's grace, I, you know, I, I meet that. But that's what we're looking for when we think of training up future elders. It's not something that just because someone says, oh, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. Okay, well, we're just going to immediately put you in a position of leadership. No, we, we and, and this is also part of the congregational responsibility to affirm people in this. We want to see what we just read here in chapter 3 and what we could look at in other passages. We want to see that displayed over time consistently. Self-control, the ability to teach, sober-minded, hospitable, respectable, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, Um, someone who manages his home well. That's something you can only really start to observe over time. Um, it's easy to put on a show for a short time. 
Um, but it's in the long haul, when you really get to know people, uh, that you start to see, um, are they living this out or at least on the right trajectory towards it? Um, and so that's something when it comes to our responsibility to the congregation, when we recognize men who are potential elders you know, for the future, um, we, you know, with congregational and, you know, encouragement and all of that, we're going to do our best to train them up and get them ready to serve in an elder capacity, meaning, you know, help shepherd the church, lead the church, teach the word. Um, but that goes more than just abilities. It also, this gets to character. You know, are they trustworthy? Can we entrust the care of souls um, to these people? Um, and so that's in terms, just briefly, in terms of training up future elders. Same thing. Oh, hi, here. Hey there, Robin. I think we have, we have a seat right there. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's just briefly kind of our responsibility, um, you know, to, to the church, to future elders. Uh, deacons, same thing. Um, chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Can I get somebody to read that real quick here in 1 Timothy? Yeah, go for it, Bill. That's one. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not two-faced, not given to excessive drinking, not greedy for gain, holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And these also must be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they are found blameless. Likewise also their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in this every respect. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their own children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. All right, thank you. Just a couple of comments on this. Uh, at this time, we don't have deacons. We have a few guys who functionally serve in that capacity. Um, also, too, you know, in, in churches where there are elder led, uh, an elder-led congregation, um, some, because elders are the ones where the authority is and deacons are seen only as servants with no authority, some churches like that are okay based on this text with um, women serving in the diaconal role um, because it's really let the, the women um, there in verse 11, the women likewise must be dignified. Is that referring to women in general or to the wives of deacons? Um, we're more convinced that it's referring to their wives, um, not necessarily the office of deaconess. So um, we are just not convinced at this point that that is a role that is open to women. Uh, good churches will disagree on that. It's not like a, a super huge issue because deacons, according to Scripture, do not have authority to lead the church. So it's not churches that have that. They're not violating the authority structure God has given for us. It's more an exegetical thing we're just not convinced that's what scripture leads to um i mean one of the churches we love capitol hill baptist in dc they have you know female deacons and you know i i just disagree with their interpretation of this um but it's not like a, a major hill to die on the reason that's a big deal is in a lot of churches deacons also serve partly as elders and if that's the case then women should not be deacons um but in our case we're just not convinced that that's that's the best interpretation so but moving on uh, same same type of thing. Paul even says it clearly, verse 10, let them be tested. And so as our responsibility to, to get to know people well enough, are they going to handle the word right? Are they going to be faithful to the faith, um, to, the, to the Christian faith and the, the teaching? And are they 
are they servants? Um, and, you know, if they meet these qualifications, then, um, then we can go forward. All right, we need to move a little quicker on the rest of them, but that, that's a big one right there. Um, next, the elders covenant to prayerfully seek wisdom from the Lord in guiding our church community, stewarding our resources to the best of our ability based on how we understand Scripture and all of that. Um, you know, we, we, by God's grace, are pledging ourselves to do everything we can to lead in accordance with Scripture and never contrary to it. Um, you know, pray for your elders. Uh, we covet your prayers and covet in the best way. We appreciate, um, are grateful for prayers to stay faithful to the Word um, because we're only being faithful to you if in our leading this church we're being faithful to Scripture. Um, and we will have to give an account before God one day for how we did this. Um, and did we follow his word or did we follow something else? Um, also, we're not going to look at scripture for all of these. We just, as you guys know, we don't have time to dive in that deep. We covenant to care for the church and seek her growth and love, truth, holiness, and unity in the gospel. Um, growth here is more in terms of maturing as a church, uh, maturing as Christians, uh, being built up in the faith. Yes, we pray our church would grow as people are saved and baptized and come into you know membership that way. But also, we want we want our members to be growing spiritually. Um, like if 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 you guys are not growing spiritually, then we are doing something bad wrong. Um, and so that is part of our responsibility is to see the church grow in all of these areas. Um, and unity is a big one, too. Like, we are to shepherd this church. If there are issues um, between members at any point, we want to help work those things out um, because Christ is honored when his church is unified in the truth. Um, moving on to the next one. To equip the members of the church for the work... Oh, well, I skipped one. To provide teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture, whether that unchanging teaching is considered in season or out of season by our ever-changing culture. Scripture is God's unchanging word, um, and because it's God's word, it never runs, um, runs out of relevance, if you will. It's never out of date. It never needs correcting. Um, it carries the same authority and power today that it did when it was first written. And so when we um, teach the word, when we counsel um, we're going to do so from the position that this book is our authority. It will not lead us astray if we understand it rightly. And because it's God's word, it gives us God's perspective on um, how to overcome the sins and the struggles in our lives. Um, again, there's a whole lot more we could say on that, but our position on this doesn't change just because the culture does. Um, you know, the culture is increasingly hostile to the faith, increasingly... Um, just deri um, deriding, uh, um, spitting venom against anything that is Christian. Um, but we're going to continue doing what God's called us to do regardless, uh, by His grace. Um, next, to equip the members of the church for the work of ministry. We read that here in Ephesians, or previously in Ephesians 4. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest ways we can do that is through consistently preaching through the word giving you God's God's view on everything exposing God's thoughts to you through the word and then as God God allows um, opportunities to serve opportunities to witness opportunities to minister um, and we've had a lot of different things going on throughout the years where folks have opportunity to do that um, 
Next, to be on guard against false teachers and false teachings. Um, This is huge. Um, We like to think of shepherds working with the sheep and being, you know, the the picture of a shepherd, especially, you know, we think of Jesus. He's, you know, in the the book that um, I think it's Ortland wrote, Gentle and Lowly, uh, you know, the shepherd, he's tender, he's, he's, he, he has compassion on, his, on the sheep. Um, but another thing the shepherd does, he, he doesn't just have a voice to care for his sheep. He has a voice that yells at the wolves. Um, and that, that is a warning type of voice. And so one of the things God calls us to do is to protect this church from wolves. Um, and let's not just say, you know, let's not try to water that down. There's false teaching out there that if allowed into the church, it's like, you know, the image Jesus uses, the leaven of the Pharisees. One little bit allowed in will spread everywhere, and it can corrupt everything. And so, you know, we looked at our statement of faith, we looked at our emphasis, and then the, the longer statement of faith, like, we have to hold to that, and we can't fudge on that, because if we do, we're allowing something in that can work its way into the way we think, into the way we pray, into the way we view the world, into the way we view each other, and it can do a lot of damage. Um, churches that are rela- are lax on guarding against false doctrine are churches that usually end up compromising. Um, we see that taking place in the evangelical world even today. Um, and so by God's grace, we are pledging ourselves to be on guard against this, to protect against it, and in terms of equipping, to help you guys fight against it if you encounter it. Because, you know, sometimes it just takes multiple people looking at something to really to, to, to work, work against a, a bad way of thinking. Um, so, you know, if you are struggling, if you have a conversation with someone trying to say, no, you need to believe this way, and you're looking at the Bible, and you're just like, I can't see that, but I'm having trouble answering it. You know, let us know, that, let other people in the church know that you trust, you getting to know, um, but we're here to help each other stay in the truth, okay? Um, moving on, to loving, lovingly lead the process of biblical church discipline when necessary for the glory of God to be the good of one discipline and the health of the church as a whole. Hopefully this is something we will have to do on the rarest of occasions you know, ideally, we'd never have to do it, but um, in the life of a church, it's just probably bound to happen at some point. Um, and we follow the principles of Matthew 18. Um, you know, you go, if someone sins against you, you go first to that person and try to be reconciled. And if you are, that's it, good and done. If they won't hear it from you, you take two or three more with you. And if that doesn't work, then eventually you bring the whole church in. Now, that can be a process that can be drawn out. Um, I think there's, there's space to, for, with one person, you know, if you, you, you can work it out, try to work it out over a while, and if you realize it's just not happening, that's when you bring somebody else in, and, and y'all, you try together like that, um, and then if that doesn't work, then you have to involve the whole church, um, and if, you know, if we ever have to go through with something like that, that would be something at a members meeting, we would probably call a special members meeting or something like that, um, and, and give plenty of time to discuss the issue, inform everybody, um, and then have to officially, um, you know, remove someone from membership if they are an unrepentant sin. That is, a, I've been um, in a couple of different churches where they had to do that, and it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking to have to do it. But the purpose of it is to shock and awaken that person 
to the deadliness and to the danger that they are in spiritually if they don't repent. Um, and so again, um, that's just something we promise to you guys that we are going to do our best to lead in if the, if the need is there. Um, Can I throw one thing? Yeah, go for it. Only from uh, at our last elders meeting, Mark reminded us, I think he was quoting Deborah maybe that said, most often, in Deborah's opinion anyway, mm-hmm. this comes from uh, just not coming to church. Yeah. You know, like just saying, I'm, I'm really not going to church anymore, and they're not going anywhere else, and they're not. And so then we have to ask them. So we really want our members to help other members if we haven't seen somebody in a couple of weeks or three weeks to say, hey, how are you doing? Everything all right? You know, mm-hmm. miss you. Um, and that kind of thing. And I think that's best done if all, whatever there are, 80 or 90 members are kind of involved in that because uh, the four of us are going to miss a lot. But, yeah. um, but that's, so that's kind of most commonly the, it, it ends up in church discipline. It does. Yeah. I mean, and atten- regular attendance and involvement, it's, I mean, Hebrew says not to neglect the assembling of yourselves mm-hmm. together, as is the habit of some. But, you know, all the more do this to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds because the day is drawing near. Um, and when we say this, like this isn't like if you miss a few weeks because you're sick or you've got a family emergency or, you know, even your job. Like that's we're not saying, oh, you're in trouble now. It's more a persistent pattern even after people say, hey, how you doing? We miss you. Come back. I mean, you're like probably months and months here um, of just refusal to come. That's when, that's when you bring some other people in. You're like, okay, look, this is a big deal. This is actually pretty serious. This is a testimony to where you are in your relationship with Christ. If you are, you know you're supposed to be here and you're just choosing not to come, then that is a serious issue. Um, so that's what we mean that, again, so don't feel like, oh, I missed a week. Are they going to bring me up? No, that's not what we're saying, okay? So please don't be stressed out over that. Um, Things happen. Things happen. We get that. Um, Okay, moving on. We pledge as elders to set an example and join members in fulfilling the obligations of church membership stated below. So we are elders, shepherds in the church, but we're also members in this church. And so everything we're about to look at, that's on us just as well. Like It's not like we're exempt from all of this because we're elders. We're going to do our best to be faithful members just like you guys because we are. Our chief shepherd is Jesus, so we are under authority. It's not like, you know, we don't have anyone over us. No, Christ is over us, um, and we have to give an account to him. Okay, so this is the section on obligations of members to the church body. Now, it says something in here, and I want to make sure um, this is on the first page. I just want to mention this real quick. Um, The requirements of this membership covenant are in no way intended as an addition to the biblical obligations of a believer. Rather, this document functions primarily as an accessible yet non-exhaustive explanation of what the scriptures teach about the obedience that saving faith produces. So we're not trying to add to the scriptures. This is simply, as we look at the scriptures, this is our best summary of what the scriptures say church membership looks like. Okay? Um, so when you, you know, join to this church, you are covenanting, you're entering the covenant to do what? First, to submit to the authority of the scriptures as the final and decisive word on all issues of life and doctrine of behavior and belief. The Bible is the final authority on all of this. Um, and as a church, that is our highest authority. Christ rules his church by his spirit through his word. 
Um, the Spirit of God will never work in any way contrary to what is written here. Um, and so this is the final word that we go to. And in joining this church, you're saying, I submit to the Scriptures whatever that may mean for me as long as they're being interpreted rightly. Um, and again, by God's grace, we will, we will do that. You are covenanting and we covenant to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ through a regular practice of the spiritual disciplines, including Bible reading, prayer, loving fellowship with the other members of our local church. I mean, at least those three things, regular intake of the Bible, that doesn't mean a legalistic adherence every single day at this particular time, but it does mean most days out of the week you're in Scripture. You know, it's a good thing to try to do it every day if you can, but sometimes, you know, life happens and, you know, you're not committing the unpardonable sin if you miss a day of Bible reading. Um, but it needs to be a priority is what we're saying, a priority to which other things will be, will be um, so we'll, we'll just put that to the side so that I can spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, um, and to ensure that I'm going to meet regularly with my church family. And not just on Sunday. I mean, Sunday's the primary time, but I mean, we really try to foster here um, opportunities outside of our regular gathering to get to know each other and invest in one another's lives. That is so, so big. Um, we're covenanting to follow the command and example of Jesus by participating in the ordinances prescribed to his church, being baptized after conversion as a public display of our faith in Christ. Um, again, we are a Baptist church. We practice believer's baptism. We believe baptism is only to be given to those who give a credible profession of faith. Um, and secondly, by regularly remembering and celebrating communion. Uh, we do that once a month. The second Sunday of every month, um, we have communion, um, which I think, I think it's great that we do it that often. Um, we're covenanting to regularly participate in the life of North Avenue. This is expanding on the loving fellowship part previously. By attending weekly services, engaging in gospel-centered community, serving the other members of this church. Um, actually, I kind of already talked about this, so... You know, Hebrews 10, consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Um, let's move on then, since we kind of already covered that. We are covenanting to wisely steward the resources God has given us, including time, talent, spiritual gifts, and finances. This includes giving that is sacrificial, cheerful, and voluntary. Um, I think all, those words are chosen very carefully. Um, Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. Um, and generosity begets generosity. When we think about the grace God has shown us, um, the generosity, the wealth of grace that He has shown us, um, when we get that, it just moves us to be generous. Um, and so we don't talk a lot about the money aspect here. Um, it's never a fun subject to do. God has been like, all we can say is God, God has done this in our church. Um, like we just continue to be amazed at how he provides. Um, and so, but that is part of our, our promise to this church that we're going to use what God gives us to best serve him in our local church. Um, next one, to strive by the Holy Spirit's grace and power to walk in holiness in all areas of life as an act of worship to Jesus Christ. And I like this. I make it my aim to put my ungodly attitudes and actions to death by the Spirit's strength. Um, we do not believe in perfection, but we do believe in growth. And we do believe in progress in fighting sin and in waging war on it. 
Um, over time, we should get better at following Jesus. We should get better at saying no to sin and saying yes to holiness. It's just Scripture is clear that our sanctification is progressive. Um, over time, we grow in it and we mature in it and we get stronger in it. We never cease fighting sin. That will never stop. But the more we walk with Jesus, the more skilled, we might say, at fighting sin we should be. All right, so here are a few examples of actions addressed in scriptures um, of practically living out some of these things. Um, number one here, I will practice complete chastity unless married, and if married, complete fidelity or faithfulness within heterosexual and monogamous marriage. We have to word it that way in our day and time. Uh, this means, among other things, that regardless of my marital status, I will pursue purity and fight against lust and all sexual temptation toward immoral practices such as adultery, premarital sex, homosexual behavior, pornography, and sexually perverted speech. Um, if married, I will seek to preserve the gift of marriage and agree to walk through steps of marriage reconciliation at North Avenue, including meeting with the elders, before pursuing divorce from my spouse. Um, there's Paul's concern for resolving legal matters um, that we could look at as well. Um, the whole divorce issue, our position is that divorce um, is not commanded, it's permitted in Scripture. Um, and then only in two clear cases, one, um, persistent, unrepentant sexual immorality and unfaithfulness to one's spouse, and then aban or abandonment by one's unbelieving spouse. Um, that is the only two areas in which Scripture, I believe, and I think there might be, a, I think we said also in terms of unrepentant abuse of a spouse, like that would be, it falls under the guidelines of what Scripture says. Um, but, you know, so divorce is a last-ditch option. Um, even when Jesus gave permission for it, it wasn't like pursue this. It's, no, we pursue reconciliation. Same thing following church discipline. The goal of that is restoration. It's not to get rid of people. It's not to, to break things apart. It's to bring things back together. Um, and so that will be our process um, as a church. Um, and we pledge that, you know, um, we're going to seek to make things work as much as it is possible for us. Um, also, we say, another example, I'll refrain from illegal drug use and drunkenness. Um, the Bible does not say that drinking alcohol is sin. Drunkenness is, and anything that puts us in a state of mind to where we no longer have self-control. Um, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is sober-mindedness. So anything that hinders sober-mindedness is to be rejected. Um, I think that's what Scripture is getting at. It says, I will fight my temptation to gossip, to slander, and cause disunity in the church. Um, basically, what we're saying with that is, if I have an issue with somebody, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to try to work it out. I'm not going to go talk about it. You know, and we, we know the guy, oh, can you believe so-and-so? Or And it, it's the desire is just to, to tear other people down, make ourselves look better. We're not going to do that. We're going to be jealous for the reputation of other people. Um, that's the slander part. We want to uphold each other's reputation and do our utmost to not cause disunity in the church. Can I get through it? Go Jose, for it, man. This is on a such a, an encouraging thing. Jose Rodriguez, who some of you know, came to love and know the Lord Jesus about four years ago. Um, and one of the main parts of his testimony was his buddy that he saw 
uh, Live for Christ, Manuel did not gossip. Manuel Fierro, who now moved to Iowa, he didn't gossip. And so Jose's like, wait a second, something's fishy here. That there, this is this is a this is a different sort of guy. And he watched how he didn't gossip. So in this kind of a thing, and that wasn't against the church. He just worked in a science lab with him. And uh, and so what a huge opportunity we have with our mouth to just say, mm-hmm. use the, uh, the Ephesians 4.29 rule that everything that we say will be wholesome and it will build others up and it would benefit those who listen. And, uh, and I think when you're in a church that we hope to be where that's always going on, what an encouragement to know that whatever someone's saying about somebody is always going to be mm-hmm. building others up and and, uh, and and to see that uh, God used that for Jose to come to love and know Christ was just yeah. really so. This is, this is a, a great statement there. Yeah, and I would say in our day and age that refers to texting and email too. Like, mm-hmm. be careful um, in in things that you send. Um, if if it's if it's a tense issue, you don't have to send things right away. Give it some thought. Pray over it. Make sure you're as uninflammatory as you can be. Um, you know, just be very, very, very careful um, in this. And fall, coming on the heels of that, I will forgive from my heart offenses committed against me by others because I have been forgiven of so much more by Jesus. And just think about the, the weight of that statement. Um, and this is the way I like to think about it, and it's helpful for me. When I consider the, the weight and the depth of my sin against God, no, it is, it is impossible for any person to even come close of sinning against me the way I have sinned against God. And in Christ, He forgave me of my sin. So how dare I not be willing to forgive a brother or a sister for their small sin against me? I mean, I just I have to tell myself, tell it to myself that way so that I realize if, if I'm just being petty. It's like, no, Jesus forgave me of a whole lot more than I'm not willing to forgive. That's a problem. Um, so let's be willing, with God's help, to forgive from our heart um, because Christ has forgiven us of a whole lot more um, than anything we've somebody else has done against us. Um, moving on. We're, we're making good time. We're, we're getting there. This is great. It says, I, we covenant to use our freedom in Christ to best serve and love others while resisting the temptation to abuse my liberty by presenting stumbling blocks to one another. Quoting from Galatians For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Um, You know, the the example was meat uh, sacrifice to idols. Um, You know, if there's something that's not necessarily sinful in and of itself that you are okay to do, but you know you have a brother or sister that um, it might be a stumbling block to them, basically what we're saying is at least while I'm around you, I'm not going to do that. I won't listen to it. I won't watch it. I won't talk about it. Um, you know that kind of thing. Again, within the boundaries of what Scripture says is is good and and sinful, or uh, you know contrasting those that we can have that freedom, but don't use our freedom to make other people stumble. Uh, moving on to submit to the discipline of God through His Holy Spirit by what? Following the biblical procedures for church discipline, where sin is evident in another. The hope of such discipline being repentance and restoration and receiving righteous and loving discipline when approached biblically by fellow believers. 
Um, so we're just saying God is going to work by His Spirit in our hearts. Um, he's going to show us our own sin as we read the Word and as we pray. But the great thing about a church body that when we get to know each other well and love each other and trust each other, we can point sin out to one another um, and actually receive it and be thankful that it happens. Like, you know, if you're like me, I don't always like hearing, especially my wife, you know, honey, you're not doing what you need to do here. or That attitude was wrong or that word wasn't kind. We don't always like hearing it at first, but I'm always thankful when it's pointed out um, because it helps me. God uses that to expose my sin, my motivations, my attitude, um, and then I can repent, I can ask for forgiveness, and I can, you know, move on. And I mean, that that's just how it needs to be in everyday life as Christians. Um, we need to, to feel the freedom to speak into one another's lives without, like, trying to get all preachy, without just getting angry, but just saying, hey, you know, that attitude that you displayed, that just didn't quite line up with how God says. You know, you might want to consider where your heart was in that. Um, and stuff like that. And, and the more we get to know each other, the more we can say that and not feel threatened, um, not feel as defensive. I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful thing to know that that we have each other's backs in this fight against sin. And sometimes we might not even realize we've said or done something and somebody comes in. I'm, in the end of the day, I'm thankful. Um, and I think we all are when someone says, hey, you know, the, you, you need to reconsider this um, in light of Scripture. Um, we covenant to do the following when we sin. Confess my sin to God and to fellow believers. Don't just say, oh, you know, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. Say no. Confess if something specific, say it specifically. I was wrong when I did this. It was sinful. Will you please forgive me? Um, and then uh, repent and seek, seek help to put sin to death. A lot of times it's one, a one-time thing and out. If it's a pattern of sin that you're struggling with, Man, that's what believers are there for too, though, to help you learn to overcome stuff. We covenant to submit to the elders and other appointed leaders of the church and diligently strive for unity and peace within the church. Again, we need to guard that as much as we can. And in God's providence, um, jobs change, life changes, things happen, we have to move. Um, if uh, you see God leading you away to where you can no longer like be, you know, fulfill this covenant, um, the way it's designed, notify the elders um, so we can pray for you, you know, and do our best to help you, you know, in pursuing another church in the next one. Seek another church with which you can carry out your biblical responsibilities as a believer. Um, and so, I mean, that that's, it seems almost like a throwaway line, but in promising to be a member here, we're saying, should God ever move me away that I'm going to be, I'm going to love this church so much that I'm going to go seek a church that's going to encourage me to walk with Jesus just like this church is. Um, that's actually really huge. Um, and find finding another church should be like of the top priority whenever you consider moving to a new place. Like make sure there's good churches there, a church that you can get sound teaching in, that you can have good community with. Um, Always look for that um, whenever, if you ever have to move somewhere. Make sure there is a faithful biblical church um, there. All right, so that is our church covenant. And again, that's why I say take this home with you guys. Think through it. Read through it. Uh, look, look up some more of the scriptures that are there. If you have any questions about any of this, again, we want to be as accessible as we can be. I know we can't really do questions, um, questions during this time right now, but... We want that when you sign this, we want you to know 
what you're getting into, who we are as a church, what you're becoming a part of, um, so that you can do so clear conscience, ready to go. Okay? Um, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we can be, be finished. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we are so unworthy of the least good gift that you could give, and yet you've given the greatest gift in the universe and sending your Son to be our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our elder brother in the faith. Uh, Lord, thank you for the, the community of the church, especially the local church. Thank you, God, for North Avenue, and I thank you for everyone in here, Lord, um, who desires membership and uh, to partner um, with this church and all that you're doing through it. Um, God, I just pray you'd give um, just uh, an abundance of clarity of thought uh, to each person here, Lord, as they are praying through this and considering uh, joining. Um, and Lord, uh, I pray that when they go to put their, their name on this, Lord, that they would be able to do so joyfully, freely, um, confident, Lord, that this is the direction you have for them. Uh, so God, we just commit uh, the remainder of this uh, church membership process to you and trust that you will guide and work as you promised to do. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.